Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. You should trust the universe. This universe of machetes and fists and hands clamping mouths this program features the work of 2021 writer Paulette Perhatch. In the first half, you'll hear her conversation with curator E.J. Coe. Welcome, Paulette. Can you tell us about your Jack Straw project? Yes, so my Jack Straw project explores mental health, anxiety, and addiction, and the factors that can lead to all of those being combined. I'm very much about taking care of the whole person now. That's kind of the other side of my work is helping writers take care of their full selves around their writing. And I can see that that is from a history of struggling with those things. So this work really kind of explores that history, having come through it in such a big way and and having such a change over my life in how I have understood and dealt with those issues. What attracted you to the Jack Straw Writers Program, and what do you hope to get from the program? I love audio recordings. There's something magical to me about recording someone's voice. It's probably the way a photographer thinks about light. It's this moment of movement. I went on a big trip to South America. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy a nice recorder. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm just going to, I'm going to buy one. And so I did. And while I was down there, I did all these audio recordings. I started a, a very silly podcast down there and I've been doing audio work ever since. And I really want to improve my skills in that area. And I, I love the combination of a written text and then someone performing it. And an appreciation of that probably comes from when I was a reporter and someone maybe had like a great, you know, Southern drawl or something. And then I would write the words down. So it was almost the opposite where it would start a spoken word and then I would I would write it and I'd be like, oh, I lost so much. You know, I wish I had a recording of that person's voice. And so kind of adding that back in. So I'm really excited about what audio projects I will do this year. And I actually decided to do an audiobook of my book, Welcome to the Writer's Life, kind of just on my own. And that was inspired by getting this fellowship. That's so wonderful. It seems like you have so many things going on right now because you also have your meditation writing practice. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think I I struggle I, I don't want to use words like I struggle with that. It is a part of my creativity and my brain that I do have a lot of ideas and a lot of projects. I think anyone in entrepreneurship or, you know, the business world would be like, you have to cut down, you have to focus on one thing. And I'm like, no, I refuse to. So um, actually I had gotten a coach one time and she's like, let's make a list of everything you're doing. And she was just flabbergasted. So really trying, it's interesting trying to edit down to what is the most important things to me. So the meditation and free writing group that I started this year with April Davila, who's a novelist, has been just one of the highlights of my year. I'd love to hear more about your relationship to meditation and how that helps you generate your essays. 
it's certainly it's a depersonalization of your thoughts and i think also understanding that your thoughts are just human thoughts and for example you know i've had a really bad history with insomnia which i have almost entirely handled at this point like it's you know in high school i would be up all night like i'd go to the the 24 hour supermarket and go like buy nail polish or something at 3:30 in the morning just to like confuse the the clerks like my sleep was just way off. And so now with meditation, I think I certainly could do more of it and I would like to do more of it. But I already see, for example, when you're sitting in meditation and you are just becoming aware of when you're thinking and then just being like, okay, oh, I'm thinking I'm or putting what's called like a soft label on your thoughts. Like I'm judging, I'm planning and just reminding yourself like I'm safe from judging. I'm safe from planning right now. Like I don't have to do that. I'm just letting it go. And so then when you're writing and you're, the little voice crops up and it's like, this is crap, you know, this is terrible. Should you even be writing this? It's like, okay, no, I'm judging this. And actually I'm in first draft mode, so it's not judgy time. And so I often joke that I like just put my feelings in my fanny pack of feelings and like they're still here. They're going to hang out, but like I'm going to zip them up. I'm going to carry them with me, but like they're not going to be out like jumping around, right? So just – continuing to realize like I had someone in one of my groups who talked about she's like I keep just editing as I'm trying to free write and I'm like you know it is just the same as meditation like realize like oh I'm editing and that's not what I'm doing right now right now is you know is is free write time I'd love to have you share some of your work can you read something for us sure This one's called Risk Mitigation at the Dawn of My Conceivable Extinction. At a cafe overlooking the plaza where the Spanish mounted the head of the last Incan emperor on a pike, I order a mojito. It's a stupid drink to get in Peru, but the whole world's gone stupid. At least, watching people telescope out selfie sticks in front of the Cusco location of Kentucky Fried Chicken That is how I feel. We'd placed an emotional toddler at the wheel of the world. My six-year relationship had imploded, and my grandpa had died. He left me money I knew I should have saved to start a down payment on a house to make up for the one I lost in those years when the value of real estate snapped in half. But I decided to instead backpack over the winter months from Colombia to Paraguay. I tell myself I'm working down here, and I am, but the money will be gone by the time I go home replaced by a thousand photos. On the plane, I read Rebecca Traister's All the Single Ladies, Unmarried Women and the Rise of an Independent Nation, mostly to feel better about the breakup. But it outlines for me just how small the window is that I've squeezed through to take this trip, to be a woman healthy enough, non-controlled, and financially able to see what this world looks like. A little further back, Or, perhaps, I think, in my darkest, most handmaid's tale moments, a little further forward in time, I would have been, or will be, forbidden to travel or live on my own. A little farther clockwise or counterclockwise around the globe, and I might have been bred with a man I'd been assigned to marry, or chained by laws or by locks, in one of any number of horrifying rooms women find themselves in, which I can almost feel around me when I make the mistake of grabbing lunch in Ecuador, with a woman who worked for UNESCO and updated me on global trends in human torment. 
These days, those scenarios feel like they could, at any moment, pierce the membrane I like to imagine separating events I read about in newspapers and events that I experience as life. Before I left, the day after this man who bragged about sexually assaulting women was put into power to decide which people decide our future, I'd gone to the Women's March in D.C. I protested in order to hope, to pretend. It made total collapse of my rights even 0.001% less likely. Mostly, as the vapor of my voice vanished into the cold air, my efforts felt like stiff-arming an avalanche. Who would think, in an empire of 10 million, with a ruler buttressed by an army of 60,000, that 179 men could collapse a world? The Incan women, the small group of Spanish men passed in the towns, mocked them as pitiful goners riding to their deaths, as one would with such odds. You're being paranoid, anyone might have said, if one were to suggest their measly presence foretold the end of the world they knew. 500 years later, I order gelato in Spanish. Wow, I love that piece. The scope and time and place. You sort of accordion these things with such dexterity. Can you talk about how you're using time and location and space? All these different places you're in, it's amazing. Yeah, it's funny that you say accordion because that's exactly what I tell my coaching clients often. I find that beginning writers often kind of write in the same the same kind of pace, right? That time goes along and I'm like you really have to picture like where you're focusing in and then where you're you're like pulling out, right? So this was, you know, I I just I love travel so much and I always find that it just kind of blows my mind. And so really I think the scope of a project is something that's so interesting. And we kind of come in with this scope of like right around ourselves. And it's so fun to think like, what if I, what if I pulled the scope back? And one thing that I love to do when I travel is fill in the gaps in my um, Floridian public school education. And uh, there's not too many. (laughs) Just, you know, world history, whatnot. Um, So I read this book called The Last Days of the Incas while I was traveling. And one of the amazing things, it was this brick of a book that was ridiculous to pull around with you while while I was backpacking. Um, but they had, there was an artist, an Incan artist who made drawings of everything that was going on. And so this book is filled with those. And the, I mean, the story is just incredible, right? So that's just a really good example of kind of being inspired by research. That's something that was going on actually with my novel recently. I had this chapter that I was like, oh, my God, this chapter is killing me. And then I just was like, okay, I'm going to just stop banging my head against this wall and do some research. And then it was like I watched a 15-minute YouTube video and I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. you know. And so just reading that book really expanded my view there. And certainly just I think the thing was that like I'd already been writing for about 20 years when I wrote this. I was traveling, which blew my mind, and I had this really cool, huge piece of research that informed, you know, and helped me think about, like, for example, when I was reading this book and then I saw those cathedrals. I didn't see cathedrals. I saw saw slave labor. I'm so curious about when you're teaching and coaching writing, what are some of the most common roadblocks writers encounter? People are very doubtful of themselves, and it's very personal. Like, they feel like, who am I to write? And I think that I had a lot of that, too. You know, who am I? I'm not someone – it's like, are you – we don't have electricians going around being like, who am I to be an electrician? 
who would want me to fix their electricity, you know? So one of the things that I found can help with that is just really becoming a student of craft. You know, the first poem we have from, you know, the the first written words, you know, is was 4,000 years old. And you can read it and you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, I get, I know what they're talking about, right? And so we have thousands of years of knowledge about how a story works. And it's not from being special, right? It's from understanding the structure of story and putting yourself in a place where you are dedicating a good chunk of your life to learning how that works and becoming a student of that and earning that place. And it's not about personal, like, you know, being discovered. And then people saying they can't find the time. And so really exploring, because right now we're in what's called the attention economy. And so the new unit of value is your eyeballs and your attention. We have enough information. (laughs) And now it's where is your attention? So there's a lot of money and a lot of psychology being put on how can we get you to stare at your phone instead of how can we get you to write? So really examining your time and putting up boundaries and being willing to get away from social media. And I am, I'm telling you, I struggle so hard and I, 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 I just really struggle with it. Um, and then just, I think, being led by love rather than by fear and being like, I love this thing. I am allowed to be a part of it as a reader. That's never going to be taken away from me. And I choose to try to to participate in this way where I'm going to write stuff and be willing to write badly and be willing to get critiqued and just keep pushing yourself. And people are really afraid of, to write badly. And I'm telling you, you got to write so badly for so long. And then suddenly you start to write better. And so there's like a kind of nudity in writing. And I think that that's when, you know, those moments in a reading where like the room holds still. And you're like, no one's moving. Is anyone breathing? I can't tell. And you see that and it's like the writer is taking a real risk. Hopefully in the service of deeper truth or, you know, they're really like up there just crucifying themselves. And I think it's an amazing process for the writer and the reader. Anything that I've written that was terrifying and that I published, it kind of, again, that feeling of like it's out of me now and it's on this piece of paper. And that's really helped me process. I'm, I'm very interested in the in the concept of confession, you know, and kind of yeah, just getting that off your chest and putting it out there and living that truth and being like, this is the ultimate version of who I am. I don't have a home self and a work self. And a. it's like, you want to know who I am? Google me. You will know exactly who I am. <laughs> and so the actually the the project I'm working on for the Jack Straw Anthology is like really dark and really scary. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm really scared. And I think it's a good it's a good thing to say, like, oh, I'm feeling pretty scared about this project. That's, you know, it's important. It's and it's certainly what writers have done for me is lay things out. And the first book I remember feeling that way about was a book called Um The Bitch in the House about women and motherhood and things like that. And this woman talks about being, I mean, she's like, has a moment of rage with her kids where she wants to see them afraid of her. And you're like, damn, that is not what we talk about at brunch, Linda. You know, but like, I'm sure there are mothers out there who are like, yeah, me too. I thought I was a terrible, terrible person for that. But wow, I'm really glad someone else is talking about that. So yeah, it's it's rough stuff. <laughs> Now we'll hear a selection from Paulette's live reading. 
This is dark circles. Why do you live so far from your mother? She asked, standing next to hers. I left the warmth of home to be the woman I thought I could only be while worshiping the wind of possibility. After a while, warmth suffocates. Wind chills. Is it warmth or wind I want on my skin? No one knows me like my old friends. They've been there for everything. They know all there is to me. They make me want to spend the night. No one knows me like my old friends. They've seen too much. They know who I am. They make me want to run away. My chest heavy, lost. I pass a woman with a stroller. Look at her, I think, so familyed up. Even if I were her, I know, I'd still be me. Look at her, I'd think of me, so free. I, who must press her nose against the window, would simply have it pushed up to the other side of the glass. The moment you stop looking for it, you'll find it. The moment you gouge your eyes out and your heart. I've tried in so many ways. Where the fuck is my serendipity? So try then, buy a new vase for the wilting flower, but how much worse to chase what might elude you anyway. This is fine. The laptop on a pillow, spine of open books, warm skin against my skin, forget it. Put your feelings in a box, put the box in a bag, throw the bag in a river. Be happy no one slaps you. No one drags you by your hair. Live this for her, for how your freedom would feel. I can make this work. It's all I have. It reminds me of the time while camping, I had only four thin blankets. I cobbled them together, but the pile kept sliding revealing itself as parts, a mere semblance of what I needed, one blanket of substance to stop the chill. You should trust the universe. This universe of machetes and fists and hands clamping mouths. The universe has given you so much. I know. Sounds like it would be nice to trust it. But how can I trust the dog that licks my hand when its breath reeks of so much blood? Just open the door. Walk into the room where your baby awaits. Feed her from you and let her touch you with her tiny, crushable fingers. Precious little rib spreader, Give the unspeakable a clear shot. 
or pull down your shirt, take two steps back and run. I should tell people how it feels in here. Perhaps it will free me from it, make a pressure release valve of my lips, or perhaps it will mar me with it, simply provide fodder for the next 3 a.m. round, speak the person I wish I weren't into being. Another cell, one in seven billion, after 13 odd billion years, agonizes over the ash. It's natural. My life doesn't matter. How humiliating to be stuck in this meat bubble. I care, I care, I care. I care how this dumb little story goes. Of course I care. You did it, evolution. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production, produced by Alyssa Keen and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Daniel Gunther, Joel Maddox, and Ayesha Ubiatilaka. Our theme music is by Andrew Weathers, produced in part through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The 2021 curator of this program is E.J. Coe, and the narrator for this podcast is Alyssa Keen. The Jack Straw Writers Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jack Straw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, Humanities Washington, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Rainier Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Michael Folks and Cecilia Ayers for transcribing our writers' interviews. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jack Straw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.